Good morning. I'm grateful that you came this morning and decided to worship with us. And so this is uh, week four of um, All In. And today, Mickey's already said this, but today we're going to talk about worship. And so uh, the first thing we think about when we think about worship is, um, is the guitars and the, which they moved them out of the way because I was going to use one. So I'll, I'll, I'll spare you all from my talent. But uh, that, that's the first thing we think about is, is the last 20 minutes that we've spent together. That is worship. But in reality, and I want y'all to catch this before we even get started today, in reality, the whole purpose of worship is why you were created. Like each one of us were created with one purpose in mind, and it's not to be awesome, which some of y'all are awesome, and it's not to be handsome or beautiful or to be the best athlete or to be anything else. God created you to worship him. Like, you were made to worship God, and that is the thing that you were made to do alone. And, and yet what we do is we give God about 20 minutes of worship a week because we'll sing during those 20 minutes. But as far as our hearts and our lives being worshipped, well, there's plenty of other things we worship. And so this morning, to start with, what I decided to do was bring up, my bag has a hole in it, that's not good. I, I brought some things that uh, we worship. So here's the first thing. This is my old, like, South Carolina used to wear the black helmets, and I haven't bought a new one. But first thing that a lot of us worship is our favorite team, right? Raise your hand if you're a Gamecock fan. So a good section over here and some over here. And then Clemson. Why did y'all have to who? I mean, I don't. Okay. It must be because y'all cheer. So good job, good job. Georgia, I see you back there. Praise the Lord for you. I'm pulling for you week one. Anyway, uh, we, we worship this. I mean, listen, this is, this is what we do. We invest thousands of dollars to be a part of IPTE or the Gamecock Club or Dog Dudes or whatever you call it. For other, I don't know the rest of the, the club. So, so thousands of dollars. Then we spend thousands of dollars on tickets. We, the, the tailgate thing, and by the way, I'm not talking about y'all because this is what... I don't have season tickets anymore, but this is what we used to do. I mean, the spreads of these tables that we tailgate to get ready, 12 hours before a game starts, we get there, and if we're one minute late, we're so mad. It is what we think about in the morning and in the afternoon of every day in April, and the freaking season starts in the end of August. But my goodness, we have to know who the fifth string running back is, and if we don't, so that is our God. And then this is another one. A lot of people, this is what consumes us. This is what we wake up in the morning. This is the only thing we can think about. How am I going to make my next dollar? I don't have enough money to pay my bills. I've got to have more of this. This is mine. This isn't God's. God doesn't get 10% of what is already his. I'm not going to tithe. Are you freaking kidding me? All that preacher wants is my money anyway. He's crazy. He talks about it every week. It offends me that he talks about money. I need my money. And this is our God. I brought this one because it reminds me of vacation. Because it's banana boat for kids, and apparently that's what I wear. Anyway, <laughs> but like all year long, we consume ourselves with what is the next vacation I'm going to go on. Like what I've consumed myself with is the vacation I'm not going on, and it's a bungalow in Bora Bora, because I feel like the Lord should bless me with that someday. Anyway, so, but we consume ourselves with this. I mean, seriously, we spend so much money on vacations, and we wouldn't dare spend money on Jesus. And so... We, we gather everything together, and most of us trek to Myrtle Beach 
And, but it's, it's what consumes us. It's what we wake up in the morning and we think about, I can't wait to go on vacation. This is not mine, I promise. But this consumes us, right? A bunch of people, hopefully women, but if, if, if it's a man, there's a room back there and we'll talk afterwards. Anyway, <laughs> but like, my wife loves these things. I'm, and I'm not saying it consumes her because she's awesome. But like, they're so excited. By they, I mean women. Y'all are so excited to watch like the red carpet and junk. And I'm like, I really don't care. Who, like, oh my gosh, look how pretty she looks tonight. She's amazing. She's glorious. And like all these show events and stuff and these awards things. But the gossip in there, like seriously, people can't get enough of it. And it's God. This consumes us. What else? This represents, this is a, um, <laughs> anyway, this is a ball we got at the Greenville drive game because I jumped over the wall and didn't get in trouble, Zach, so we're good. But anyway, uh, this represents baseball and Little League baseball because living vicariously through our kids consumes us. And we care more about that than we could ever care about Jesus. This takes up more time and money and investment than we could possibly imagine, and it consumes us. Here's another one. This is not my... Uh, this is not my crutch, by the way, just for the record. I promise this is not my crutch, but this is um, an old, one of my old books on the book of uh, Hebrews, and it's awesome, but being a scholar, being really smart consumes us, right? I mean, th there's a lot of people that you want to be so smart that you want to get so much education that it is what our God is. Like, it's what wakes us up in the morning, what keeps us going, what makes us excited is, is being smarter, having wisdom. What else? This is a picture of my kids from Disney World, and they're awesome. I'm so proud of my kids, and my wife's been gone since Thursday, and I'm so thankful for my wife, too, and I can't wait for her to get back. But I wouldn't, there's no amount of money, no billions and billions of dollars that I'd trade for these kids, but they can't be my God. And for a lot of people, that's all we think about. I mean, it's all we spend any of our money on and everything, and, I'm, and I understand I'm right there with you. And then my last one is the best one, and it's the picture that Leah first gave me when we started dating. And I'm just telling you all right now, she's smoking hot in this picture. So I, and I don't apologize for that. She was 16. But teenagers, this is for you. We have the infatuation of that girl or that guy that we want to date. And I had a really good one. She's still really hot, too. I, and, and I wanted her... Maybe more than Jesus? Like, was this more important? Is, is the guy or the girl that you're chasing after right now the number one thing in your life? And so the reason I brought all these things on stage, um, by the way, I did bring a golf ball too. It's just for all the people that like golf. Someone said amen, Andy Fields. But it, um, so that's free, but I, I do like golf. But all those things, okay, are not bad things. I want you all to make sure you understand what I'm about to say. None of those things that I just showed you were bad on their own. They're really good. I mean, baseball is fun. I enjoy it. And the Gamecocks, for the last few years, have been fun. Ten years ago, it was like purgatory. But, like, there's a lot of things in there that are good. Listen, there is nothing wrong with money, and anyone that tells you the Bible says that money is evil is wrong. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. If we don't have money, we don't pay bills. Money's good. 
It's the love of it. Vacation is freaking awesome. Okay, I can't wait to go on vacation. But it's the love of vacation over the love of Jesus that is wrong. And so I, I wanted to show you all these things for one reason. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the things that I have in that bag. What is wrong is when that becomes what I worship. And you say, okay, Mark, I, I get all that and that weird illustration that you had and all those things you pulled out of the bag. How do I know if I'm worshiping it? Here you go. I appreciate you asking. Here you go. Okay? The thing that consumes you, that wakes you up in the morning, that drives you to do more, that you can't wait to be with more than anything else in the world. Yes, I'm telling you that your wife can be your God. Because when we look back and we see Moses going up on the mountain and Aaron, he, he, he's kind of in charge while Moses is up there and he builds a golden image and we're like, how dare he do that? I would never worship an idol. Listen, I'm telling you, I believe 90% of us, 90% of us, and I'm including myself, and if you miss this, you've missed it. Because I'm not pointing fingers at you. We worship idols all the time. And so in the Ten Commandments when it says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, we say, I would never do that. I worship God and God alone. No, you don't. No, you worship all kinds of gods, but they're found in that bag and not a wooden image or a golden calf. That's not what we worship. We worship the things of this world that we can get our hands on that we need. And that is the things that we worship more than anything. And listen, when God tells us to worship him in spirit and in truth, he wants us to give his whole, our whole heart to be all in with our worship. And the reason that I think we don't make a difference in this world is because we've never given Jesus everything with our worship. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to show you what I think it looks like to be all in in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4. So Jesus is walking up in John 4 and he, and he sees a, a woman at a well. And she's a Samaritan woman. And Jews and Samaritans aren't supposed to speak to each other. And they carry on this conversation that I think is really cool. And so today I want to give you two things Two ways that, that I believe you can tell if your worship's real and authentic. And I think that is the goal for everybody. Will y'all pray with me as we open Scripture? God, uh, this morning in the story of um, the living water and, and what you told um, this woman at the well over 2,000 years ago, God, it is so relevant and so applicable for us right this second. Because, God, I think we are the generation and the people that struggle with idol worshiping more than anything else because there's so many idols we can get our hands on and we are so blinded to that because we think, God, we give you about an hour a week. You're welcome. That is all you need. And we are so far from being fully surrendered and all in. We are all consumed with me and what I want to get my hands on. And so, God, what I pray this morning is that you'll break hearts, that you'll open ears and you'll open eyes to see and hear what you want to say more than anything else. And we just give this to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. John chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 7. This is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. I love this story. And most people don't think of this as a story on worship. Okay, but it is. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open it because I'm going to ask you to underline uh, several times. John 4 and verse 7. Y'all forgive me, the pollen's killing me, so I'm, I'm working on it. John 4, 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? 
for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? It's like, dude, I don't understand. This is crazy. I don't understand what you're talking about. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. What's wrong with you? And he said, are, she said, are you greater than your father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give them will become in, in him a spring, of, excuse me, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty again or have to come here for water. And so at, up to this point, this woman's confused. Jesus is offering her something that doesn't really make sense. And just put yourself in her picture. What in the world would that be like to, to be sitting there and this dude comes up to you and he wants water and she says, guess what? I don't need that. You need this. And she's, she's a Samaritan and she's not even supposed to be talking to this guy. And so at this point, she's just confused. She's taking a step back. And here's what happened. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. The woman said, answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And at this point, you know the woman's like, oh, snap. This cat knows me, and he's not supposed to. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Really? This is when you want to look at her and say, good call. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you said that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Y'all are hearing this, this word worship, right? If you have a Bible out, I want you to start underlining this because it's found so many times. On this mountain, we're supposed to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. Excuse me, you worship what you do not know. Can I just stop right here and tell y'all we worship a lot of times what we do not know? Like we come in here and we hear Mickey and the band sing and uh, we may even raise our hands. That's not what worship's about. We sing our hearts out and we walk away. And like Mickey just said, during the week, we spend very little time with God because we worship what we do not know. And so we give God lip service for just a short amount of time, but we look an awful lot like this Samaritan woman who with her lips acknowledged that God was real and could tell that that was a prophet or he must be a great man. But in reality, we don't know him. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. Listen, right now, the hour is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us these things. And Jesus said to her, I am he. Excuse me, I am. I who speak to you am he. Excuse me. It's me. I'm right here. I'm in front of you. I'm that guy. I'm not a prophet. 
I'm that guy. I'm the real deal. When, when I read this, the, the, I've preached this passage before and I've never preached a message on worship and I think I've missed maybe the most important part of this and it's this. So many of us have drawn water and we've even, we've even been baptized or we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good like Psalm says and, and, and we know so much about God right here and yet we're just like the Pharisees because we are full of knowledge. Listen, full of knowledge and yet our worship is so far from God. We've missed him totally. We've totally, totally missed him. And so our lives <coughs> consist of this. Like when people look at me, do they look and say, now that guy more than anything else wants to worship Jesus. Like more than anything else, he wants to tell lost people about his son. He wants to invite people to church because he wants people to know the truth of the gospel, not so this church gets a great name. More than anything else in this world, he wants to make Jesus' name great and famous. More than anything else in this world, he wants to spend time with him, not Facebook. And so it's not about getting God off your back. And this is what I really think our problem is. American Christians, especially in the Bible Belt, which is where we are, what we think is if I do enough good things for God, I'm worshiping him. No, God did enough good things for me by dying on the cross and by being awesome, by being holy God. I just want to serve him because that's who he is, not so I get him off my back and I can show everyone, look at how awesome my worship is. That is what the Pharisees did, and that's why they missed the point. And guess what? Their God was themselves. And that is what we look like all the time because we are not consumed, consumed with Jesus. We're consumed with the thought of the next thing that we want in our lives. And I, I want to show you in this woman's life in the next couple verses how you can tell if you're all in. Because will y'all look at me? There's a lot of people sitting in here. You've gone to church your whole life or, or today's your first time. You're not all in with worship because you're really not all in with Jesus. You may have said lip service to Jesus. You may have said a prayer sometime. You may have tons of knowledge right here, but in all reality... You acknowledge me with your lips and your hearts are far from me is what Jesus would say if he's in front of us. Why? Because we don't worship him with spirit and in truth. We worship whatever is the next thing. Because right now all we can think about is at 3 o'clock today my favorite show comes on. I don't have time for Jesus. And if that's my life, if that is what I look like constantly, if getting up on Sunday morning is the hardest thing that you do because I really don't know if I want to give Jesus one whole hour, I don't know how he can be alive in you. I can't wait for Sunday. Listen, I, I tell people this all the time. My least favorite time every week is about noon on Sunday because I realize we're that far away from hanging out together again. That's, that's my least favorite time of the week is about noon on Sunday because I'm like, man, we're, we're almost a whole week away from getting to hang out with our favorite people again and worshiping the king as a corporate group. But I have my responsibility that that moment to scatter because we don't gather together just to be holy saints. We gather to scatter out and make a difference in this world. And this is what it looks like to be saved. Let me just call it what it is. To truly be a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what happens. This woman had been married five times. She was living with a dude that she shouldn't have been. She was jacked up. There's no one in here that has more sin than her. And this is what happened immediately after she met Jesus. Listen to this. I love this. Number two, 
I'm sorry, I didn't even give you number one. True worship comes from those who are all in. And number two, all-in worship is authentic and sacrificial. It's real. Listen, all-in worship is real. This is verse 27. It's just continuing the same thought. And Jesus then, just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with this woman, but no one, but no one said, what, what do you see? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. She's got her water jar. She's ready to fill it up. She leaves it and went into the town and said to the people, come and see this man that told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went into the town and were coming to him. And all these people, she, she, she just left what she had. She wasn't worried about her job. She wasn't worried about her, the dude she was living with, her ex-husband. She wasn't worried about all this other stuff that we consume our lives with. She was consumed with the thought of, oh my gosh, this is the real deal. This is Jesus, and that living water was real, and I want to worship him with every part of me because guess what? This was a real experience that I have with Jesus, and I want to show you what she did. Flip on down to verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because Jesus preached a great message? No. Because he was the best speaker that's ever been. Nope. Listen, you don't have to be any of those things. You can be a jacked-up sinner that's been married five times and living with the sixth one, and there's no telling what else this woman struggled with, and you can change the world that you live in with the gospel if you worship in spirit and in truth and let God do a work inside of you. And this is what, this is what happened. Because of the woman's testimony, she worshiped with her life, and because of the woman's testimony, she changed everything. He, he told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritan came into the town, they asked him, to stay with her, and he stayed there for two days. I want you to flip over, and it'll be on the screen to Romans chapter 12, and I want to show you what your biblical responsibility in worship is. It's one of my favorite verses in, throughout the Bible because the first 11 chapters of Romans gives us instructions, and then chapter 12 changes the thought, and it starts with therefore. In most, in most uh, translations and in mine, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So listen, if you call yourself a Christian in this room right now, you say, I have followed Jesus with my life. Your spiritual act of worship is by viewing God's mercies, offering yourself a living sacrifice. How often? Every single day. Every single day. We don't get to take plays off and we don't take time and we don't get to sin for a season and then we go back. No, every single day I offer myself a living sacrifice if I want to worship in spirit and truth. If I want to be all in in my worship, that is how I have to do it. But see, here's the problem. So many of us, we want to give God about an hour. Out of a whole week, you're welcome, God. I, I did go to church. Much love to you. He knows I loves him now. I did read the Bible one time this week because I got him off my bag, and I just want to be able to tell everybody I did that. Listen, I don't, I don't read the Bible every day to make people impress. I do it because I want him to do something in this jacked-up person because I'm jacked up. Like, I struggled all week this week, and I was frustrated. Last night, I just begged God, I don't know why you'd use me because I am messed up, but I still pray that you'll use me. And I don't read the Bible so that 
I get that sin taken care of because if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive that sin. I believe that with all my heart. The reason I do it is because I want to know him more, and that is my conversation piece with God. And I get an opportunity to stand before the king. Listen, before Jesus died on the cross, do y'all realize that only the high priest could go in and talk to God? And they had to wear bells around their ankles so that if they weren't clean before God and hadn't sacrificed correctly, the bells would stop ringing, they would fall over dead, and they would pull them by a rope back out. And when Jesus died, the holy veil tore. And we get to walk into his presence every single day, every minute of every day. And what do we do? Forget that, man. I ain't got time for that. I got time for this. My idols are much more important. And we don't worship in spirit and truth because the reality is we don't worship at all. Worship is not really a part of our lives except for 20 minutes on Sunday mornings or however long Mickey and the band plays. And we miss the point altogether. And so listen, this is what it's like. When we're in here worshiping, people are raising their hands and we look at them like this. That's kind of weird. I just got to be honest with you. Because I don't understand why people are raising their hands. Have you ever thought, I wonder what it's like to worship in heaven? Like with the angels. Guess what? That's what your eternity is going to look like if you're a follower of Jesus. And it's more amazing than we can possibly describe. I bet you the angels don't struggle to really worship. What do y'all think? I mean, they're looking at the king in all his glory. And I bet you they don't struggle because I heard a preacher say this and I loved it. If we get really, really, really worshipful, we get about this right here. If you grew up in church, you'll get about this right here. The preacher that I heard called it carrying the TV, the flat screen. We'll carry the flat screen TV. Oh, Lord Jesus, we're worshiping. I mean, that's big time right there. If you get here now, it's crazy. But to, be, to not worry about the people around you, but like, isn't this our attitude? They need to be good because I'm here. And the band's not good, it's not good enough. And we fail to remember that everything that we do is for an audience of one, to worship the king. And so when I'm raising my hands in the front, and I'm humongous anyway, and everybody kind of peeks over there, I, I love y'all. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I'm not worried about y'all. I'm trying to worship the king of kings, who allows me to come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise and that is unbelievable. And if you don't understand that, maybe you don't get God. It is amazing that he wants to hear my praises. And not just on Sunday morning, but while I'm driving down the street or I'm in the shower or I'm by myself or I'm with my kids putting them to bed. He wants the praise of his children. That is why you were created. And it blows my mind. Some of y'all might have heard of a guy named Matt Redman. And they were kind of facing the same problems that we all face. Um, in the late 90s, and they were very frustrated with the, the amount of worship that was taking place in their church. They're awesome. He is an amazing songwriter and worship pastor. And so I'm sure if you went and you visited in 96, 97, 98, 99, if we'd have visited their church, we'd have said, my gosh, that's amazing. But what they realized is the worship wasn't happening. It wasn't really, it wasn't a good flow. And so I want to close with the story that Redmond says happened in their church and why it changed everything. Y'all listen to this. Over the years, people have poured their hearts, excuse me, poured out their hearts to God through worship. And there seems to be plenty of examples of great things happening as a result. However, in the autumn of 96, we realized that something was up with our worship. At first, it was difficult to put our finger on. On the surface, everything was fine. 
many of the musicians had worked out. They tuned their instruments. The sound engineers were off. It was bedtime. Everything was good. Things sounded good. Each service contained a block of songs that focused on the cross. We gave people a chance to respond and do business with God. To make it easier, there was nice music taking place, which gets me Pentecostal when Travis gets up here. Yet we seem to have lost a spark. We seem to be just going through the motions and, and just singing the songs. And so we'd stand up and we'd sing a song and we'd sit down and Jenny would do announcements and we'd stand up and sing a song, sing a song. Mark would preach, sing one more song, go home, and it was just the motions. Can y'all understand what that feels like? Oh gosh, not that song again. I can't even hear the bass. What is wrong with them? Why can't I hear the bass? That's my favorite part. It gives the beat. And we have forgotten that the people on stage weren't performers, they were worshipers, and God was the audience. We had forgotten that, the central, that this was a sacrifice in its biblical worship. I want y'all to listen to this. This is really cool. In the Old Testament, and if y'all don't believe this, look it up in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. In the Old Testament, whenever they set apart the new temple, Solomon's new temple, they sacrificed 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats the largest church barbecue ever. And they did this because they wanted to worship God. And what's really cool is, is you had to sacrifice to be forgiven of your sins. And so for, for that temple, which was the first true temple, Solomon built the temple. And for that temple to happen, they, they wanted to really set it apart. And guess what? We don't have to do that. Because 120,000 sheep and goats and 22,000 cattle don't come close to one Jesus, the true sacrifice, the perfect lamb. And he made the sacrifice for us so that we could come in his presence. And they, the story has it that they all lay prostrate because the presence of God was so full in the room they couldn't get over how much the worship was. And guess what? We were so used to God that we just want the music to get over and maybe Mark not to preach real long so we can get home and do our stuff. And instead of desiring God more than anything else in our lives, and we can't wait to see what he's going to do next. We just want to get done with worship. And so this is what happened in the church. They decided they got together as a staff, and Matt Redmond said, guys, can we just, can we just stop the music? And during the time of worship, what they did instead of worship was they just sat in circles. No music at all. And it was awkward at first because the people didn't know what to do. They were like, what are we supposed to do? And the whole premise, the whole purpose was let's worship God. Like it, doesn't, it doesn't take a piano even. It just takes my heart worshiping Him. And it was during those, those weeks, people started praying and then there was small praise that took place and then acapella singing happened and they said that it, the spark came back. You would think if you stopped that everybody would leave, right? Because I need to be entertained to come to church. Mark, it's all about you entertaining me. It's, 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 I'm not coming just to worship the King. They said it was during that time that Matt Redman wrote this song, and some of you will be familiar with this, but it is, it is truly one of my favorite songs because I believe this is the picture of worship that God describes for us, and it's the heart of worship. It says, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. 
you search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Can y'all relate to those words? King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. I'm looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So in just a minute, we're going to sing that song. But um, before we do, this is what I have to ask you. What's your God? Like, which one of these things? Or maybe it's this. But, but what is it? Like, what is your God? Because if Jesus is really the consuming fire that lives in our lives, and it's all about him, it's not about being entertained by these guys, it's not about having the nice enough building, it's not about having the nice enough kids area, it's truly about worshiping Jesus above everything else in our lives, people will know. My favorite part of that story is when the Samaritan woman went out and said, you've got to see this. This guy's the real deal. Like when I walk up to Mickey and I've never met him before, or even I know him really well and I say, this is what he did for me. This is what he can do for you. That is how we worship Jesus. Not just by lifting up our hands, but that is how we worship Jesus. And guess what? No one questioned whether or not the Samaritan woman was real. They knew she was jacked up. And they knew something crazy happened in her life. And Jesus did a work in her that could not be explained. And so this is what I need to know from y'all today. Is Jesus who you worship or is it one of these other things? Because for some people, the reality is you need to get saved. And all that getting saved means is you do what Jesus asked his disciples to do. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Give me your life follow me. It's not always going to be easy, but follow me. So will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? How many of you guys would say right now, dude, if I'm being honest, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I worship other gods. I have a head full of knowledge about Jesus, but and I, I don't really think I know him. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian, Mark, and I I need to follow Jesus like the Samaritan woman did and drink from the living water that, so I'm never thirsty again. Mark, that's me. That's me. That's me. I need Jesus. I just want you to slip your hand up right now. Slip your hand up if that's you. Say, I need Jesus. Thank you. Who else? Who else would say, Mark, that's me? All right, we have one person that said that's me. I, I, I'm going to ask the rest of you to respond at the same time. And as we sing this song, I don't want you to worry about who you came with. I, I want you to just focus on Jesus. Mark, I am a Christian. 
I am certain that I followed him. But the reality is my life, my money, I would never think about tithing because it's my money. My calendar, time with Jesus, everything doesn't reflect the fact that Jesus is King and Lord of all. And so today what I want to do is I want, I want that to be, I want my worship to be real and authentic and I want him to see everything. As we sing this song, what I'm going to ask you to do is just, just come down here. And we'll look like, you don't have to get on the floor like they did in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. You don't have to lay prostrate. I'm asking y'all to really worship though. And I'm talking about whatever God leads you to do. Some of you need to lift your hands because that's what you feel like. If this was Jesus standing on the stage and not our band, and you were just singing to one person and you were by yourself, how would you react to being before the King? Because that is the opportunity that we have every week. I just want y'all to respond. So we all stand with me. For the one, for the one person that raised their hand, I'm going to ask you to um, go in the back and see our volunteers. If you'll slip out um, and talk to one of our volunteers right now. And for anybody else that wants to respond to the gospel, Jesus just says, follow me. If you'll go see the people in the back, they want to tell you um, how you can do that. For everybody else, one of the best worship songs ever written, you're welcome to come down here with me and just give yourself to Jesus right now. You're already a Christian, that's fine, but just come down here and worship him, maybe like you never have before.